Hello and welcome. You're listening to Open Mind UFO Radio, or you're watching it live. So let me explain this. And we've got Martin Willis. If you're you're watching a video, you can see Martin. Hey, Martin. Hey. So let me explain this real quick. Just uh, because everything's new. We're in this new world of open minds. And so everybody can know how this works. So this is the Friday show, the Friday newscast where me and a special guest Probably mostly it'll be Martin, but not always. Like last week, we had Lee Spiegel. We'll be reviewing the UFO news of the week. Um, now, I won't be doing interviews here, although we'll have special guests. We'll mostly be talking about the UFO news. If you want to get my interviews, then you're going to have to pay the very low fee um, to access the interviews uh, from either Patreon or Podbean, where my podcast is hosted. So either one will have it. But here's the thing. This is what's really cool with Patreon. If you subscribe at the what a dollar fifty a month to get all of my interviews, and it's really important. I'll explain to you. I've gotten one with John Alexander so far. I've gotten one with Brian Bender. They were really important. I've got two in the works here. One with Chris Mellon. One with Luis Elizondo. Obviously, oh, wow. very important. These are the guys yeah. that are making the news right now. Um, so you'll want to hear those. And if you subscribe on Patreon, for those of you who are podcasters, which is the tens of thousands of you that are listening right now, thank you all for coming back, by the way. Um, it's really cool. You're going to be able to just get an RSS feed in Patreon. It does this. And then you add that to your, your um, podcast player and you'll get all of the episodes. So for instance, if you subscribe to my podcast, uh, regular podcasts like most of you are doing that are listening right now you're going to get all of these friday shows but if you go on patreon and you pay the dollar 50 so you could get the premium content and that means all of the audio you'll get audio versions of all of my interviews all of them um and also other you know exclusive content on patreon but if you do that it'll all of then even the premium stuff will be loaded into your phone or into your podcast tool uh, with this special RSS feed that you get on Patreon. So it's a new Patreon feature, and I'm really happy about it because many of you are podcast listeners, and now you'll be able to uninterrupted get all of the content because these interviews that I did were really important. Now, this is the live version. So every Friday, we're going to be doing this live. Um, I'm trying to do everything live streaming so you guys can interact more. But if you want to join live, you do have to join at the intergalactic planetary level on uh, <laughs> Patreon, which is a bit more. It's $5 a month. Um, the other alternative, in order to watch the video archives of all of the shows, you can go to YouTube. Now, the Friday shows will be free up on YouTube. You'll be able to watch. However, all of the other interviews that I do, uh, I will have... Uh, you know, up there as a subscription service on YouTube 
which is a price that's in between those two levels. So yeah, so you have two levels. You can watch all audio or listen to all audio. You can um, get the archives, uh, which I post, you know, as soon as possible after they happen on YouTube, uh, or you can uh, subscribe to everything on Patreon. And if you get the Intergalactic Planetary, not only do you get all of the videos access to, you also can join us live for everything that I do. So, uh, you know, I'm planning on working this out and it, it looks like it's going to happen where I'll be live streaming my interview with Luis Elizondo. So if you're joining us live, you'll be able to ask your questions right there. So those will be the difference. Um, so I'm really excited about it personally. I know maybe some of you are frustrated. Luckily, most I haven't. Most of my listeners have been really happy about it. They have had no problem, um, especially the audio listeners. And uh, there's been a few people like, oh, man, joining live, I have to do this or that. Well, you didn't have the option to join live before. And I think it's really important. I want you to join live. I want you to be able to join in the community. Um, but at the same time, you know, I can't continue doing this. I left for a reason. And I want to come back and I want to keep doing this. And I've told you guys this ever since Open Minds kind of shut down mostly, is that, you know, it's hard for me to keep doing this without generating some income. I know that Martin uh, and I, this is something we talk about, a lot of us talk about in this field, because a lot of us really struggle. And often when people leave, it's just because they can't justify it or make the time to do this sort of work. And I think right now this is really important because we really need to hear from Chris Mellon and Luis Elizondo and not just the mainstream interviews that are out there, but we need to have our own questions answered. So you get that opportunity if you uh, join uh, these groups. So I hope you do join. It is going for a good cause. And I can tell you, I've got a good track record of bringing you all great information. I think if you have listened to myself or Martin, you know, you've been uh, ahead of the curve regarding everything that's been going on. Uh, even when the doubters were out there trying to hash all the goofy little mundane things to try to find how these guys were lying or, or playing tricks on us, that hasn't happened. And now we've got, you know, this latest news. So um, that's my little pitch. Uh, you'll hear little pitches on these shows quite a bit uh, just because, you know, I want to make sure you all understand how this all works. And I so want you to join us all the time. And thank you so much for currently joining us. And uh, thank you, Martin, for joining us. Well, thank you. It's it's good to be back. Um, you know, uh, I've gotten some emails. People are so excited that you're you're back doing this again. And and uh, I I agree. I think that you do such a, a good job trying to trying to figure out. It's really a tough field to try to figure out what's what's right and and what's and and, and when misinformation gets out there, this is what makes it so tricky. Is that yeah? You know, the truth mixed in with a little bit of truth mixed in with a lot of whatever really makes it tough to figure things out. And yeah, you know, any anyone that's new that is you know, paying attention to this topic, um, it's it's really uh, it's really important to go to the right place to get your information. Um, you know, because it's so easy to get led astray, and there's great CGI, and it's going to get better um, yeah. if it comes to video. Right? So, yeah. And I don't mean to like, uh, in a way, I kind of toot my horn, I guess, a bit. You know, in that. You know, we're really careful. The reason that I my information, I think, is is a little bit, uh, it 
stands the test of time is that, you know, I really um, adhere to journalistic standards. Uh, I work with journalists on a regular basis and we communicate on all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, that means the information is more substantiated so that, uh, you know, we know that it's credible. So I'm bringing you, you know, the more credible information. Does it mean that maybe there are some more conspiratorial things that are real that I'm not covering? Possibly. But uh, then again, you know, I would rather bring you the good stuff than, um, you know, get led astray and waste our time on things that won't be productive. And we'll kind of get into some of that that's going on right now because Martin and I have kind of been pulled into it and we both made news. And in fact, you know, both of us, I think have been making some, some of the bigger news that's been going on with UFOs quite personally. And we'll talk about that. So Martin, let's get into it. Did you happen to catch either my interview with Brian Bender or John Alexander? Uh, I, I'm so sorry. I, I, that's okay. I did not yet. Yeah. No problem. I know and I wanted really to join busy. that live. I was, I was out of town um, yeah. and I just couldn't, um, I just couldn't do it. I was actually at the beach. Nice. You can't oh, blame yeah, me. I remember when, uh, yeah, when you were with, with uh, Brian Bender, I really, really mm -hmm. wanted to listen to that. And I will. I just, yeah, I, I know you will. Yeah. Yeah. And I tried I to sign in and it was, it's just, um, your website, by the way, is beautiful. You're doing some really great work on it. Oh, thank you. And, and Open uh, Minds is back online. I haven't is, started right. updating it yet, but I will oh. soon. It's just now that I have it online, I am hopefully seamlessly, people won't notice this. I'm changing the service I'm using um, that hosts the site. And during that transition, if I update stuff on the website now, it'll get lost. So I'm just waiting till that transition happens. But luckily, fortunately, right now, you can reach everything, all of the art older articles that are on there that people love to and wow you know reference material that's great so it, the migration or whatever you did worked that's excellent uh yeah well at least so far so good um yeah and it seems like it's going to work out just fine and uh it'll be great because i'm gonna you know we'll make that website even bigger and better than ever because it will be you know your credible news source where you can bring that up at work and not feel embarrassed because um you know these days it is more a credible topic and the topics that are on our site, you know, are very pertinent and um, substantiated, you know, information. So good right. stuff. Yeah. So Excellent. this is a re the reason I ask, and it's kind of better that you haven't, it's good. That it's fine that you haven't seen them yet. Cause I know you'll get to it. We all have our lives and it's often the same with me with, on your interviews. So, um, but I can share with you a little bit of what I learned in these interviews. So first with Brian Bender, Brian Bender was essentially the guy who first, uh, the first mainstream journalist to break the news that the Senate Select Committee um, for Intelligence is has requested in their appropriations bill for uh, intelligence, all the intelligence um, groups out there, uh, they requested UAP information. So they want all their UFO stuff. Um, Chris Mellon has kind of uh, online agreed with others who have said it, it appears that they're kind of concerned that they haven't been notified of this information. And that's true. He kind of uh, also addressed that on the to the stars podcast, which just came out yesterday with him and uh, Luis Elizondo. And that's headed up by uh, Tom DeLong. So Chris Mellon had kind of reiterated that uh, information. So my thing is, you know, Brian Bender's the guy who's working at the with the Pentagon in DC mo half the time. 
and he's the one who knows kind of the hubbub, the buzz that's going on uh, in Washington about all of this stuff. So that's why it's great to hear from him. And uh, he's essentially said that he feels that, you know, there hasn't been any discussion about the UAP request in the intelligence bill that he's seen, but that bodes well. That means that likely no one is balked and they're not upset about it. Um, I think our, the news cycle for this story was very short, but that's probably a good thing because the less kind of criticism of what they're doing, the better in that they won't be scared off. And he feels there's a pretty good chance that if the bill get goes through, um, that it won't be touched. And the only, the, of course, it's the committee who's passed through it. It still could be changed by the Senate and then it'll have to be passed by the House and then it gets to the president. So, but he's feeling pretty confident about it. Hmm. Now, um, so if this, if this goes through, you just mentioned something along the lines that um, there won't be any report, you mean right away type of thing? Is that what you just said? Right. The report is not uh, slated to be completed. They request that the report be completed by March 2021. Uh -huh. So that gives them quite a lot of time to put things together. Um, some of the things that Chris Mellon were talking about were along the lines of my interview with John Alexander. Um, John Alexander is an important figure for reasons that people don't really understand. First of all, he worked in Army Intelligence, which essentially is one of the groups who is being tasked by this bill to supply information. He also was an Inspector General for the Army. What that means, and we've heard a lot about Inspector Generals in the news, you know, uh, and the President's problem with them, the reason the president has problems with them is because the inspector general is the one in charge to make sure everybody's following the rules. They're essentially the referee. And in this case for John Alexander in the army, you know, in order to make sure everybody's following the rules, you have to know the rules. And that's what's important for an inspector general because they are experts on the procedures on how these all work. So, uh, one of the concerns that Chris Mellon brought up in the podcast, and uh, and I, I plan to ask him more about this, is all of this is partially inspired by an article he wrote in The Hill uh, and where he called for this. He said the Senate Intelligence Committee should ask for uh, UAP information, and here's the type of re request they should make. Interesting enough, they listened, and their request is very similar to what Chris Alexander uh, Chris Mellon asked for. Uh, Chris Mellon used to work for the Senate Intelligence Committee, essentially. Um, so that's why he knows so well. But Chris Mellon, and now he works for To the Stars uh, with the, and you know, the guy who ran the Pentagon program. He's on the television show Unidentified. Um, but Chris Mellon said that, you know, one of the things in the Hill he did, he said this will probably be have to be a classified report because the information is classified. But at least then the Senate Intelligence Committee could be um, get information on all of this. Well, the Senate Intelligence Committee took this a step further. And in their request, they're saying we want a public portion. You have to have a report that is public friendly, public facing and let them know what's going on as well. Chris is a little worried because that is kind of a tall order. 
That's a lot to ask for. And he wonders if that portion will survive in that it may be difficult mm. for them to provide it. However, he makes the point that if they do balk at that, meaning the agency is being requested the information, that it's a little bit disingenuous because this is something they do on a regular basis. People like him or staffers are told to look at classified information, have a public summary to provide uh, like a legislator. So a legislator can address the public and the legislator needs to know what is it I can say about this program? You know, I need to, so they need to be briefed and given a summary of public um, uh, information that can be given to the public. So it's not unrealistic to ask them to do this. It's something that goes on daily uh, in those circles. So, but he's just worried that they're going to really push back on that portion. Um, I know that um, I saw a part of it that I read that they're, uh, they seem to have a focus on, you know, uh, foreign adversaries as far as these UAP. Um, and they're not really, and it kind of ends there. I'm not seeing anything else like um, they're trying to identify them for any other reason. Well, and, uh -huh. yeah. So Chris yeah, Mellon did address that. Uh, mm -hmm. in the podcast and Luis Elizondo. And essentially the, the message here is that um, two things. First of all, they don't know that they're not foreign adversaries. Uh, and there certainly are people uh, spinning it that way. They're, they're trying to be soft with it and um, frame it as possible foreign adversaries. However, he says that's not what they were briefed about. That's not what this is really about because what inspired this whole thing was about a year ago, and we saw this on Unidentified, when they were bringing uh, these military personnel who had had these encounters to brief Congress people that, uh, you know, it was about like the Nimitz case or the Roosevelt case where these jet fighter pilots were encountering these objects that were also caught up, uh, caught on radar. So there was corroborating data to show that, you know, they were um, tracking something unusual. And that's what's inspired all of this, that it is a, you know, concern over these objects that apparently have technology beyond our own and that it is not... Uh, they realize that th that they're being advised that this technology may not be ours, that it seems mm -hmm. too sophisticated. So it just raises a huge question, which most people, you know, along the lines of some of the greats in this field, uh, like a J. Allen Hynek or a Jacques Vallée, which is, it's a mystery. We can't presume any answers. We've got to pursue this mystery and try to gather data to figure out what the answer is because, um, and they addressed this too in that podcast yesterday, uh, this does pose a threat. Many people may be like, well, how can it be a threat? You know, we don't know that the aliens are good. They're better than us. And what they're trying to say is we don't know that. And we have, until we know for sure, we have to um, assume that he made, Chris Mellon said it this way. He said, if, a bunch of guards at a nu nuclear facility are saying that there are unknown people. They're seeing people walking around inside the gates and they don't know who they are. And when they go over and try to say, hey, who are you? They're gone. 
that would be a major concern. This is very yeah. similar, except it's happening in the skies. And so I think that's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I think kind of the holdback has been for a lot of years is, you know, that very fact that, you know, they're, the government actually may know that this is happening or part of the government or whatever, but they may not know what it is as well. You know, a lot of people just assume that the government knows that these are extraterrestrial or, and, you know, um, Eisenhower signed a deal for abductions and, you know, all this type of stuff. But, um, you know, very, it's very possible that they have the, they're on the same level as us. Maybe, maybe there's, maybe they have more film evidence. Maybe they have more, uh, evidence that we're unaware of. Um, but anyway, um, I think it's very possible that they don't have a clue. Right. And, you know, John Alexander brought up a lot of real world concerns because I was asking him essentially, okay, say this is you, you're an army intelligence, you're tasked with providing this information. What is going to be your major concern? And the way Alexander framed it, which is great, is that they could really care less about the public. Their major concerns, a lot of the major concerns of leadership of these black projects or intelligence um, groups are is funding, money. So, mm. and uh, along those lines, knowledge is power. So the more information you hold, um, the more information you can make others, people think that you have, then the more, uh, the better a bet you are if I'm to fund your project. And so that's where kind of they're going to be coming from. So they're hmm. going to be metering. What do I want to tell them? Do I want them to think that I have more information than I do? Um, and also, do I want any of this public? So I'm going to need to be careful what I do share. And it's not necessarily that they're afraid of releasing, you know, the secrets that they have an alien spacecraft or something. It's more along the lines of, you know, um, showing our cards, kind of talking about what we do have and what we have done. So those are going to be some major concerns that they're going to be thinking about when they choose to comply or not comply with this. Now, um, along those lines, Chris Mellon kind of backed this up and someone asked, well, what if they refuse to give information? Uh, Chris Mellon says, well, the, the big stick that they have is appropriations, funding. They can hold back money. So these guys want money hmm. and what the Congress essentially says is, well, if you want money, then you've got to do what we're asking you to do to get wow. that money. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. kind of the game that's being, that is always played at this level. And so those will be factors in them complying or not complying with this request. Most likely they will comply, but also John Alexander and Chris Mellon both brought this up is that the, the stove piping, all of these agencies that are being requested information are completely separate from one another and they don't share information and they all have separate programs that likely do not share information with each other. Um, some people like Eric Davis has talked about this, even in my last interview, how difficult it is, even if you wanted to share information from one black project to another, because you have to get approvals to get that person read in, then that person has to get read into your project and that can be expensive and time consuming. So, uh, there's a lot of bureaucracy. And in fact, supposedly if you have a black project, which is a, called a SAP, a special access program, a lot of times most of the money goes to security 
paying these people who have to do all of this work around classification, vetting people, getting clearances, reading people in. And so that is a really expensive process. Wow. So, um, you know, that's a lot of the bureaucracy that goes on behind these, these black projects and some of the potential um, problems that they could run into. Yeah, it, it seems it's almost counterintuitive to real science in a way, because yeah. you need the all the people working on something like this openly trying to figure it out instead of just a small group of, you know, a black project here, a black project there or whatever, uh, and not working together. The more brains you have is what I mean, the mm -hmm. more they may be able to move forward in this. So yeah. in that concern, I don't know. Yeah. So there's the way just it is like, though. Yeah. I mean, it's the way it is and that's what we have to deal with and we can, you know, ignore it or make a bunch of assumptions. Um, but, uh, you know, that's not necessarily going to get you anywhere. Um, whereas this is the real world concerns and what we're dealing with real world. And it's at least exciting that, you know, the Congress is pursuing this. Oh, yeah. So I guess moving on to the next topic regarding all of that, I think you're really going to want to hear the or watch the Brian Bender and the John Alexander interviews. They get into much more. That's extremely helpful in guiding us who are not dealing with this stuff on a day-to-day -day basis on all of the concerns and how this is all going to, the inner workings of how all this will happen as time goes on. One other thing that Brian Bender did confirm is that he did get this news. And this is another question I have. He found out about this intelligence um, request for UAP reports from the internet. He found out from a text from a tweet from Danny Silva Danny Silva found out from a tweet from a guy named Steve McDaniels. And I asked Steve, who is often in these chats. I don't know if he's in right now, but uh, he's been on all of them so far. I asked him, well, how did you find out? And he, he essentially just went to a government documents file uh, area and, and searched unidentified aerial phenomena and it popped up. So he was Unreal. doing, you know, this, this, I yes. know, isn't that wild? And, that's how this news came out. But the question is, did Chris Mellon know? You would think he would since he obviously was so influential in it happening in the first place. But we don't know for sure. Did he find out from the political article from Brian Bender? Or did he already know and they were just keeping it under their hat uh, to, to, make, you know, to make sure it didn't get any negative attention? I'm not sure. Hopefully I can ask him that question next week when I talk to him. That's great. You have him next week. Yeah, um, it's a bright guy. Yeah, great. You're one of the few people who, who have interviewed him so far. I haven't even yeah, interviewed him he, before. Yeah, he's made the rounds on on TV and other interviews. So yeah, you know. yep. And um, uh, he'll probably be yeah. doing a few more now that we have unidentified coming out in uh, July 11th. Have you watched the first episode? I'm assuming you got access. Uh, you know what? Um, you're right. I probably do have access. All I have to do is sign in. Um, yeah. to get the screener. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't realize it was available yet. That's great. It is really yeah. good. I liked it a lot. I think it's cleaner. I kind of felt like the first season was kind of a, trying to adopt um, some style from other reality programs, but now it feels like they're really in their own. They have their own unique style that is cutting edge, sophisticated, professional, credible, 
I love it. Exciting. And uh, it's not like they're dropping news, at least in this first episode, that is Nimitz level. But it is very credible military cases from military personnel who are sharing their own stories. And I just feel like I, I tweeted this that, you know, post-disclosure, if we could call it this, you know, now that this stuff is all mainstream, hearing from military guys takes on, you know, a, a heightened level of urgency these days, it seems, because now we know that the Senate Intelligence Committee, higher-ups in the military are paying attention and taking this stuff seriously now. Did they, do you happen to know if they had the whole season in the can before the virus? I do. Well, no, they didn't. They essentially were going to do 10 episodes, but it got cut to eight. Uh, Hopefully well, that's not too bad. That, yeah, that's yeah. not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what happened wow. there. And yeah. uh, they do have a couple experts. They use David Clark, who actually is kind of the skeptic. And he, he sounds kind of goofy. Yeah, the, the yeah. UK guy. Um, yeah. He He's kind of, you know, saying, well, they could have been mistaken what they've seen after these military guys are like, Talking clearly, you know, they very clearly, what they saw, they very clearly saw, and they exhibit that in their interviews. And it's his kind of trying to answer those away just doesn't really um, hold much water, um, which is kind of funny. But uh, they also have a guy, I think it's Aviation Week, another aviation defense expert um, who's really great. He's uh definitely in there kind of speculating, well, it could be this, could be this. But then again, if it was that, it would look different than this. And so I, his hmm. input is really helpful. Oh, um, that's so good. Yeah. Well, it's really good. I really like watch it. it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. But the other news that's kind of out there that we both kind of have some updates on, I know you do, and I do too, from John Alexander is a lot of people have been talking. So there's been these Wilson documents out there where uh, that's what they're called, or they're called the core secrets or, um, you know, Wilson some people, leak. Yeah. yeah, the Wilson leak or my buddy, you know, our buddy Richard Dolan's calling him like the most important leak of the century or something like that. Um, I think they're quite dubious in that most of the people involved in those documents are either, well, I should say, well, most of them are denying that it happened at all and not just saying it didn't happen, but giving us details as to why the uh, alleged conversations are inaccurate. And I think, and at least in my interview with John Alexander, he was able to back one up. So for instance, John Alexander lives in Las Vegas, Nevada, where supposedly uh, a Dr. Eric Davis was got into a conversation with a Admiral Wilson, who essentially told him that, you know, he caught wind of a um, crash retrieval project, secret project. He tried to get access and couldn't, and he was upset about that. Um, and that somebody had told him MJ-12 was real, was part of it, these sort of things. Well, this allegedly took place in Las Vegas, Nevada, and he was brought in by the IFIO, Association of... I forget how the whole acronym goes right now, but it's essentially... Uh, Oh, yeah. Association of Former Intelligence Officers. So these oh. are all retired people who used to work in military intelligence. And it's not that big of a group. And John Alexander is a part of the group. Well, Admiral Wilson said, I was not in Las Vegas at that time. I haven't been in Las Vegas for a very long time. Since 79, I think. Yeah, yeah, th yeah since 79. And John Alexander said, 
I am, in my interview, I'm a part of that group, the IFIO. He had previously told um, Chant Hannah and Frank uh, of the UFO News Network the same thing, but uh, he did it over email, and he told me this live in the interview. He was part of the IFIO, and they never brought in Wilson. Um, that didn't happen. Um, he also says because Edgar Mitchell and Dr. Stephen Greer, you know, Edgar Mitchell being an Apollo astronaut who was interested in UFOs and Stephen Greer, UFO researcher and claimingly the representative to the Earth and to all the galactic civilizations, people gloss that over, but that's what he claims. He's representing us to all the alien civilizations out there. But back when he was doing just kind of straight research with Dr. Edgar Mitchell, he they claimed to have a conversation with Wilson. And um, so because of that, uh, and, you know, John Alexander was friends with Mitchell, he tried to pursue getting uh, an interview with Admiral Wilson. He's done that throughout the years, and John Alexander's not been able to get an interview with him. Um, Commander Miller, the other guy who was in here, who was the guy uh, who supposedly naval commander who commun who was friends with Wilson, who got him to talk to all the UFO people because uh, Commander Miller is interested in UFOs and he's in Leslie Kane's book about UFOs and officials going on the record. He says Wilson never talked about UFOs. Wilson's never had an interest in UFOs. So he doesn't believe the conversation took place because of that. And, uh, and so now we have John Alexander kind of saying the same thing that he's never been able to talk to Wilson he doesn't seem to have an interest. And in the notes, Wilson references John Alexander in this book from uh, Howard Bloom, who's a New York Times writer. And, uh, but again, he's like, I've never, Admiral Wilson, I'd be, I don't even know if he knows who I am, but we never talk. So I don't know why he would mention me at all in these notes. And the Howard Bloom book that he's talking about is a complete fabrication. And I think this is part of the problem is that there's a lot of fabricated material out there, especially from the late 80s and, and the 90s. And Howard Bloom's book was a, a lot of, I don't know who he interviewed. I, I know from seeing he interviewed Richard Doty, who has, you know, put a lot of dubious and just completely false information out there. And the book was way wrong. The book, he was trying to write it about John Alexander's group, how John Alexander, while he was in Army Intelligence, got some of his colleagues together, all of which had clearances to go look for UFO secrets. It was an ad hoc kind of group of people who were interested. It was not official in any way. But in Howard Bloom's book, he talks about it being this big official project headed by John Alexander. And he, you know, makes Alexander seem like this tough guy who's out there trying to get answers and hide secrets and all of this wild fiction stuff in this book. It's really, I was shocked when I read it because I was oh. like, this is completely false. I already knew the background of the story. And for something like that to come from a New York times writer is pretty crazy. Wow. But that's that what John crazy. says. So not voting well for the, the, you know, the notes uh, there, but you also at least there's a, well, the other rumor is that there's going to be a New York times article about yeah. those documents and blowing the roof off of the crash retrieval stuff. Now, through my own research, it does look like there might be a New York Times article. However, uh, some of the people interviewed are, you know, scientists who think maybe 
and they think, you know, there's life out there, but I don't know if it's coming here. Maybe I'm open to it. I think it's going to be more along those lines. If there is a story, uh, probably Roswell esque saying, Hey, Trump talked about Roswell. We've got the Roswell anniversary here. Could the government have crashed UFOs? Here's what some scientists think. And the scientists will say, maybe, probably not, but they could be coming here if they are coming here, this or that. So it'll be exciting, good information, I think. But I don't yeah. think there's going to be some insider breaking open some kind of big story. It'd be great if there was, but it doesn't seem like it's shaping up that way. And in your last interview, you have a little bit more news on this. I do. I don't do? you? Didn't you interview Matt Zydegas? Yes. Oh, Matt thinks that, you know, there was something that he said that may have started the ball rolling. Now, I've had a conversation with him since, and um, it I, I really can't say what it is, but it wasn't exactly related. There was, a, there was mm. some differences. So okay. it may not he, but he was thinking that he may have started the ball rolling, but I do believe he, he may be a little bit off on that. He, do, he thinks so too after we talked. Um, okay. Uh, this was just the other day. But I, I want to go back to the Wilson documents oh, yeah. just go for ahead. a second. And um, I do know that uh, my friend Chris Lambright has also found an error, you know, a pretty blatant error in those documents. And, and it's simply uh, the wrong rank at the wrong time of someone. And, uh, you know, I mean, someone may just think that's nothing, but that's a pretty big deal if you really think about it. Uh, yeah. And that's what's really tough about all of this is that um, Wilson and Miller, who are directly in those documents, have both come out and said, didn't happen. We weren't there. Um, and people are saying, well, if this was top secret information, that's what they would say. Sure. But now we have other information. You know, Wilson can't be placed in Vegas at that time. He was supposedly brought by the AFIO. John Alexander's part of that group says, no, we did not bring him in at that time. And I think Alexander, and here's the thing, people are like, well, they would like, well, not Ale Alexander would have no reason to lie about that. And I think if yeah. Wilson were, either of these guys were smart, they would say, yeah, I did, was brought in by the AFIO. I don't think they would lie about that because that's discoverable. You know, people would be able to prove, ha ha, you said you weren't yeah. here, but you are. You know, mm -hmm. um, instead, it would have been more wise if they were lying to say, yes, I was there, but I never talked about UFOs. I was there to talk about intelligence stuff with these former intelligence officers. You know, that's all you would have to say. You wouldn't have to lie about that. Yeah. So um, it seems like we've got good corroborating evidence that he wasn't there at that time. Um, at the, the same Billy time. Cox yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I was going to. I want you yeah, to go ahead, actually. Go ahead. <laughs> well, in the Billy Cox article, it. Um, Wilson does during that interview say that, yes, I did meet um, with Edgar Mitchell and, and Stephen Greer and right. maybe one other person. Um, and was it Miller? Um, yeah. But anyway, he, he did meet with these people. And then when the topic of UFOs came up, he said, I have my plate full. I don't have time to look yeah. into this. And that makes sense to me. And he explains why, you know, what was going on at the time. And, and that's consistent yeah. with what we're hearing elsewhere. And I know, you know, the, the main figure here is Dr. Eric Davis, who um, is the guy who allegedly had this meeting. And Davis um, is not going on the record on this, but a lot of people are, and this is 
only hearsay at this point. Some people get mad at me for saying hearsay, but hearsay is hearsay. Hearsay is something that has been heard but cannot be confirmed. And yeah. so that doesn't mean it never happened or I'm calling anybody a liar. It just means that we can't confirm it yet. But there is hearsay that Davis in the past had told people this really happened and that it had happened. But that's all we have is hearsay that it happened. But we have now a bunch of people on the record with uh, some pretty good, you know, um, the well, credibility saying that this didn't happen. So that's why it's so tenuous. And that's why you, you can't print a story on that, at least with any credibility. And the danger of this, especially with the New York Times, they're going to want to verify everything. Absolutely, especially on this topic. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. who's the? where's the weight going to go? There's hearsay that this happened, but these credible people say it didn't happen. The danger is then establishing that it did not happen. If... You know, so I think that people who are believe that this did happen, you know, should temper their expectations on any potential upcoming article. Yeah. And, you know, uh, people are taking the fact that Eric Davis is simply saying now no comment that it means that he it did happen. You know, they just automatically assume mm -hmm. that it did happen. Maybe there's could be a few different reasons um, for him saying it like that, mm -hmm. you know, and not necessarily that he's denying right. something that happened. I think that's a really good point too. And that's where I am on this. I don't believe Davis is a liar, but the evidence is really stacking up that this event never took place, let alone the event, the, the details of what happened are like a lot of other UFO hoaxes out there. They're ridiculous. They just don't make sense. John Alexander in my interview pointed some of that out. They're just silly, the claims of what happened in there, to be honest. And I, I, that's kind of a harsh word, but it really is. And this is from experts who have looked at this as well. Um, so I think there could be an alternative explanation. And um, until we hear from Davis, I guess we'll have to wait for that. But I think you've got a great point there. John Alexander had um, postulated that perhaps it was like a um, – script for a potential television show because he's worked on tv yeah. shows and it reads like that maybe yeah. and it's so did john me, greenwald yeah yeah and the point his point to me was that um that is he doesn't think that that's definitely what happened he's just throwing out there that there could be other possibilities we just haven't thought of yet and and i think that's a really good point to make yeah yeah well i i feel like um we'll we well, you know, it, it could be kind of like MJ-12, you know, it could go linger on and on and on. Yeah. And with no resolution. Yeah, that's exactly for, what happens sometimes. I think I've demonstrated an abundance of evidence that sheds a major doubt at MJ-12, but uh, which unfortunately yeah. also is one of my frustrations about this whole thing, because even though I keep telling people, look, these guys are mentioning MJ-12, I've already, I think, fairly well debunked that. Look at what I've got, uh, what I've got here. Nobody wants to look at it. They're like, oh, I'm not an yeah. expert on MJ-12. Well, if you read my stuff and go research the sources that I've outlined, you can make yourself an expert. All you got to do is educate yourself on it. But they're refusing to educate themselves on it. And that's pretty frustrating for me, too. Yeah. So before we uh, end, I think we're about out of time. Was there any other news you wanted to share? I know you, you looked into some UFO news for the week. I didn't really oh. see any other big news out there, though. 
Well, it's just yesterday was World UFO Day. Yeah. <laughs> and well, you know, it's it's kind of fuzzy because some people say it was June 24th. Yeah. You know, the Kenneth Arnold sighting anniversary. And then some people say, you know, maybe it's it's July 2nd. So I think it's officially or more officially July 2nd and yeah. the potential of uh, the crash, uh, the crash date at Roswell, whatever happened. And we don't really know for sure. Right. You know what that that what that date was because it was uh you know the what the debris was found, I think on the eighth. I'm not I sure. Think I think you're right. Remember seventh yeah. or eighth, but even those dates are a little cloudy. Yeah, but that's about it. Uh, you know, I I think you know the the news is is taking this topic, the mainstream media, much more seriously um, since the last time you and I spoke. Uh, on uh, the regular open minds, you know, news stories. I think that has changed since you've been back. Yeah. Since you've been absent and back. Yeah. Well, Martin, like I said, is it for this show. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I want to implore people to go uh, listen to or watch my interviews with Brian Bender and John Alexander. Remember you can get those on the Patreon, uh, YouTube, uh, the Open Mind YouTube. Those are some of the places. And uh, otherwise, you know, thank you all for subscribing and coming back to the show. I hope you're enjoying the show. I'm planning on getting more and more information out. So even uh, I had a lot of other people I was going to interview and do before I was able to get these Elizondo and Chris Mellon things, you know, in the pipe for before the, the new episode comes up. But I'll be interviewing the director of uh, unidentified i'll be interviewing a lot wow. of more news people and interesting people regarding all of this so um some Excellent. great information coming forward so please help yeah. and don't think about oh i have to pay to get to this access uh the way i put it is sure you have to pay a very small amount but not only do you get access to exclusive information that everybody you know that is really pertinent and credible um you're helping me keep doing this and um Part of the reason I'm back is just because some some of you had so many kind words. There were so many of you yeah. that really wanted me to come back, and some of yeah. you who were really upset that I had left and not happy with me for that. And I apologize to those people. And I know I was teasing when we came up that guy who said, "Are you just going to leave?" And I didn't mean to to say anything bad about him. I actually am very flattered and appreciate so much that he likes my work this much that he'd feel that way. So thank yeah. you. I was just being silly. That's and even I, I got tons of email of people. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. You, you kept, know, they were yeah. harassing you. Yeah. So. Where's Elon? Are we on the back? Uh, as Bruce you? says in the chat, happy fourth for those of you in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, coming right up. Yeah. Thanks, Bruce, for joining us. And uh, happy fourth for everybody. USA. USA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so uh, that's really fun. And then. Um, yeah, and then I've also got a Thursday show, a Thursday live stream that I'm doing on Open Minds, Facebook, and YouTube. That's just me and my buddy Doug goofing off and talking about different topics. And we got kind of really excited. Great. We talked about propaganda in the last one. So that was actually oh, wow. a lot of fun. And I say it's not a UFO show because some people have been mad. What about what, what's this got to do with UFOs? But, you know, he comes, he runs a company, a shaving company. My company essentially is ufos so of course it comes up a lot because i relate this to my field which is ufos and he relates things to his experience with his 
in running a shaving company and, and also our other background. So UFOs inevitably come up. He's got a great interest in wow. this as well. So. I wonder if ETs need razor blades. He says no. He makes that point. Oh, okay. That they're always, you know, very clean shaven. <laughs> All right. Check out right. Podcast UFO. Lots of, who's your next guest? I have uh, Don Schmidt and Tom Carey. And then Ooh. I have an Elvis impersonator. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Uh, this, that's a comedy uh, coming out called uh, Elvis from Outer Space. Yes. Those and, guys uh, contacted yeah. me. Yeah. 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 And I thought I'm, glad uh, you're doing I'm that. just going to have them on just for a few minutes, just for fun. I actually get the Elvis impersonator on my show. So that should be awesome. Funny. That'll be yeah. great. Yeah. All Excellent. right. Well, thank you guys very much. Thank you, Martin. And until next time, adios, muchachos. muchachos. <laughs> You're good at that. <laughs>